Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of The Monda Solution, your favorite marketing podcast with your host, Jordan McDonald, and this beautiful gentleman over here, Brandon Wood. What up, everybody? How are you guys? Episode 15. Can you believe it? I can almost drive. The show can almost drive. Oh, man. You know, I knew you had an issue with that training permit, though, so you should uh, <laughs> probably apologize to the cemetery. Do you know, when I've been to the cemetery, <laughs> for putting people in there or driving through it? <laughs> driving over it. Oh, yes. got it. Got it. <laughs> you know, when I was, when I turned 15, my, we went to the DMV. So in Virginia, where I'm from, you had to be 15 and eight months to get your learner's permit. It was very specific. And then uh, we go to the DMV. I get my learner's permit. And every kid, I feel like, is like, hell yeah, let's do this. I can drive around a 6,000-pound hunk of rolling metal. And then my, we walk out of the DMV, and my dad tosses me the keys to his uh, 1984 Suburban, which weighed... Now, this was in 1994, which weighed approximately 38 tons. Uh, and he was like, all right, let's 38 do this. 38 tons? Yeah. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> It was a solid block of steel. Yeah. And I was like, with an engine on the front. I was like, oh my God, you got to be kidding me. And uh, that's how I started driving. It scared the hell out of me. Anyway, I digress. See, we've already, dig- I've already digressed. I, <laughs> I will take the rep on that one. <laughs> I, I, you, we, the royal we. Me. Listen, we're all the here. Royal. And it is your fault. It is. Zero percent of the time. More just the noble as opposed to the royal we. Well, <laughs> so speaking stupid. of nobility, yes. the opposite of that would probably be something like I don't know, maybe a, a disco dancing sloth. A disco sloth. A disco sloth. And speaking of disco sloths, today we're going to be walking you through and giving our ingenious insights into the visual timeline and the audible timeline for those that of you that are not watching of digital marketing presented by none other than disco sloth disco sloth.com <laughs> you know everything about this site is the site that i i want i want it's got that neon-esque 80s vibe things are flashing yeah. i love it a little synth wave action it's good it's, it's, it's good oh yeah cyberpunk everything oh everything. yeah it's got it going on well i i feel like we talk so much about all of these things and in some of the time in there's and even this article which was written i want to say early 2023 um so this year i believe but even within that there's so many algorithmic changes and i guess that's kind of like getting into the minutiae of what each of these things are because it's we're even going to talk about the evolution of email um but uh you could you could kind of do this ad infinitum right we could be talking about these for hours but uh, as Jordan said, in this timeline, we're going to take it short. If you want to see the timeline that we're looking for, and we should say this at the outset, which we always forget, but I am remembering right now, then what you should do is you should go to trymondo.com slash podcast, or just go to your favorite podcast listener, whether it is Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, um, and search for Mondo or Mondo Solution or Jordan McDonald. Or Jordan Wood or Brandon McDonald. You know, <laughs> wait, don't, don't. I mean, no, don't do this. <laughs> Neither of those things are going to get you the right person. Um, but in any event, uh, we, what we typically do, guys, uh, and I would ask you while you're looking and all that stuff, please subscribe. But down in the show notes, uh, for those of you, again, just listening and not watching this on YouTube, in the show notes of each of those episodes, you can find a link to the exact thing that we are talking about so that you can scroll through it and have it for your own SAT word edification. 
You like that? I, lo- I love edification. I was going to say perusal. I was perusal. waiting. I was waiting for your perusal to come. Perusification. <laughs> Brilliant. So without further ado. <laughs> God. I am now going to share yes. my screen. Do it. Uh, and not in an ASMR way. This is going to be a hundred percent bull in a china shop sharing right now. Yes. We were actually talking about ASMR earlier. If you don't know what that is, we're probably never going to do a podcast episode on it, <laughs> but you should definitely look it up and then go take a bath since you're going to feel dirty. <laughs> <laughs> So um, as we go through this, we're going to just kind of alternate little points here. So Jordan, would you like to kick it off? I will kick it off. So here we are. Uh, It's a a brilliantly interactive site. If you are unable to see it, uh, it's kind of a scroll to interact. And our first item on the list is 1971, the invention of email. And just as a reminder, this is the visual timeline of digital marketing. marketing. So 1971, we had... Uh, sometime in late 1971, a researcher at DARPA named Ray Tomlinson sent the first network email through ARPANET. It was just a test message to himself. He can't remember what it said, but he thinks it was something like QWERTY UIOP. So just like that first row in uh, in an American-speaking country keyboard. Right. Uh, right. So just <laughs> but right, that really kicked it off. 1971, right? If I remember correctly, uh DARPA, this is a United States government affiliated or somehow related thing. Yeah, defense. Uh, I forget what it stands for. Let me if only I had a device in front of me. What does DARPA <laughs> Defense against the dark arts? No. Defense Advanced Research Projects. It's basically like skunk works and stuff like that. It's, uh, you know, like Batman stuff. That's what that is. So DARPA is pretty cutting edge, bleeding edge of those things. Um, so it's not surprising. Also, I thought that Al Gore invented the internet. Yeah, so. he, he did, but this was email. Yes, that's true. Yes. Um, this is I will say it's scurrilous that he does not remember the first email ever sent. I mean, what? yeah, he should yeah. remember this. Um, so the first spam message was 30 seconds later. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> And the first porn sent via email was 60 (laughs) seconds later. So just kidding. The first spam message was actually sent a full seven years later, um, mostly because only like three people knew that (laughs) that email existed up till then. Uh, 1978, first spam messages sent. The first commercial email message was sent on May 3rd, 1978 by Gary Turk. Turk? Turk? Turk. Did you look that up? Turk? I'm just going to go with that. Uh, He sent an email promoting DEC computers. Y'all, we all know DEC computers running (laughs) DEC OS X um, uh, to a list of 400 recipients since ARPANET was a government-sponsored network. He faced severe reprisals. (laughs) Wow. However, the single spam message resulted in over $13 million in sales bro <laughs> wait 400 people led to that many sales i feel the takeaway here is that spam works <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you don't have to be the first well and i i think i mean let's be fair there yeah how are you defining spam right unwanted <laughs> unsolicited i guess i mean i don't know it's kind of like if you're if you're getting that mailing list and it results in 13 million dollars in sales you're probably into computers if it's 1978 and you have your commodore 64 
you know, <laughs> rolling out your punch cards. <laughs> no joke. You, I don't. There's a lot in there. There's a lot in there, and I think I need to read a book about that entire situation. You know, uh, I can tell you one for 1995. Listen, Jordan, <laughs> have you ever well, wanted to read a book? Just hey, kidding. there is no spamming allowed on the podcast. No, sorry, sorry. You need to settle down. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Cool your horses. Is that even a thing? Cool your Simmer jets. Them. Cool your jets. Yes. Do do something with your horses that's that's safe. Whoa! Did the there's like stars in the background? I swear those didn't load. Just a second wow. Ago. Look at that. I feel like <laughs> in space. In the same year of 1978, unrelated to the spam incident. There was an in-game advertising first. Adventureland, the name of the game, is the first text adventure computer game with in-game ads. Oh my, I didn't realize it was that long ago. For another video game called Pirate Adventure. So hopefully hopefully these ads were done by the same company, uh, right, that made Adventureland, and they wanted you to play their other game as opposed to like, you know, some, some wild hacker coming in and saying, hey. I have a great idea. You know, this guy, Gary, already took the spam crown, but maybe we can do it. Maybe. I mean, um, it seems like somebody should have been on Oregon Trail. Jordan, you have dysentery. <laughs> you should really look for your Johnson Johnson products at your local <laughs> pharmacy. That should. I mean, it's not another game, but it's Johnson Johnson. You know, what could go wrong? Missed opportunity. I suppose they didn't think this video game thing was going to pan out, right? It's because kids were still playing outside until the lights came on, <laughs> as they still should. Amen. Just saying. There's the that. <laughs> yeah. And then five years later, four years later, because I'm good at math, the first e-commerce site, the Boston Computer Exchange, launches uh, a BBS or bulletin board system for selling used electronics. I mean, but I feel like calling that an e-commerce site is like calling the billboard with business cards on your local coffee shop a marketplace. I feel like that may be a bit of a stretch. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You think you think it's a little stretching it? I don't. I mean, I think it's just a communication system that people are using specifically to to talk relative to buying and selling uh, used electronics. Oh yes, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, there was uh, yeah. There was no credit card processing. Correct. <laughs> you couldn't like give, I guess you could give them your routing and account number. Sure. Probably. <laughs> over, over the BBS. Yes. If you want to give us your routing and account number, <laughs> <laughs> please do not send an email to. You can donate Bitcoin wherever you want. We'll take it. <laughs> hey, you have a new glass today. He's, he's sipping water again. I do. It's for a, uh, it's for a beer from Oscar Blues which is a local brewery, although I'm drinking water out of it because it's three on a Thursday and I'm a responsible adult. And it's called Yuzu Ugly or Yuz Ugly. It's a Yuzu flavored beer that's not around anymore. Yuzu and Ugly Fruit IPA. <laughs> Delicious. Delicious. I, uh, I have water nearby. There suffice it to say. I like it. Six years later, the year of my birth, I am told, in 1988, was the first beg in the 80s, BBS, so the bulletin board system Brandon just mentioned, and Telnet MUDs, multi-user dungeons, Whoa. were the primary mode of communication. On May 24th, a user named Rob Noha mass posted a message called, help me, <laughs> asking for donations to his college fund. Bro, that's old school GoFundMe right there. That's <laughs> That's incredibly awesome, right? I know you, uh, you very loyal listeners are unable to see this, but 
And I'm not sure if this is actually a screenshot. Yes. Or, you know, God, I hope a picture of what it wrote. But if it is, I'm going to read it out just for fun. So perhaps, I mean, I'd like to think this is it. Uh, or somebody just made it up, I guess. Hi, I just finished my junior year in college, and now I'm faced with a major problem. I can't afford to pay for my senior year. I've tried everything, and it goes on and on. Um, interesting, right? The first person to do a self-GoFundMe uh, while he was dungeon and dragoning around the interwebs. <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons. I never played that. Ah, you haven't? No, you really should. Not allowed to. Not allowed. Oh, I didn't play as a kid. Yeah. I wasn't, that wasn't allowed. Yeah. Uh, okay. 1991, the World Wide Web is invented by Al Gore. Al Gore. There he is, man. I don't remember him looking like that. I actually looked it up and Snopes is like, this is false. So I need to go back <laughs> and read that a little bit more. World Wide Web <clears throat> is created by Tim Berners-Lee while working at CERN. Of course, it's CERN. And released in August 1991, the World Wide Web protocol made it easier for everyday users to access the internet. So, well, what's, and maybe we'll talk to this, but it's, it's so fascinating to me at that time in, in, or just after that time, the first time that I used the internet was probably 1995, I think, but it was always service-based. It was based mm. on AOL or mm. Prodigy or something like that. It was not, based on just like a browser and then the first browser that i used that i was like oh i'm gonna use this browser was um web crawl no that was a search engine web crawler and then netscape which killed the market for years yeah and it was funny because the little loading bar and my buddy and i were convinced that as the loading bar if you took your cursor and you went like this over the thing it would load faster because we're freaking dumb. Listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you something, and I you're not wrong. But it it's it maybe not be for the reason that you expect it. I know this is tangential, but I learned it like within the last two years that any uh, Windows 95 based operating system, so that included up to Windows 98, and well, I think it ended in Windows 98. Okay. But um, if you move the mouse, and I can't remember the exact technical underpinnings, moving the mouse caused uh, a subset of the processes to actually run faster because it was calculated and made the whole system run faster what? by a significant margin. I, I think it was in the realm of like 10 to 15%. So yes, shaking your mouse in Windows 95 during any task would actually increase the the time. Holy the crap. That my mind is blown on that. It's it's real. That's it's real. Incredible. It wasn't just <laughs> so you're not crazy. <laughs> wow. Good lord. I, I mean I always thought you were crazy. It's like shaking your fist at the sky is going to make <laughs> make it rain. Like yeah. That's the internet version of a rain dance. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to work. That was so wild. Okay. I love it. You know, so many great browsers, right? And speaking yes. of, look at that. Two years later, uh, from Tim Berners-Lee introduction of the WWW to the world, we have Mosaic in 1993, which was the first internet browser that allowed images to be displayed along with text. Mosaic was developed by a team at the University of Illinois at Urbana Champaign. Urbana? Urbana. Urbana, thank you. I've always wondered in many years, which was partially funded by the High Performance Computing Act of 1991, which is how Al Gore created the internet. Ah, okay, so here's that nugget of truth where I guess Al Gore, it was his act 
that he brought to the floor or um or at least he voted on it i'm imagining he created it uh it wasn't just a simple vote needless to say the concept two years after you know everybody was just you know in their dungeons and dragons layers and they were trying to get money for college and they were trying to sell their old uh their old processors and ram right here we have now you can actually see images of the things that you're purporting to have for sale you know images of all types of course you can still get um, their repository still exists on github for mosaic mosaic you can still put so up you can build it you can build it you can build the browser today yeah. Yeah, it probably just, doesn't work. Very it just well. it might. It might. Yeah. I don't know what you would. You'd have to get it on some sort of replicator. Weird. That's amazing. Wild. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So things are developing quickly. Quickly. Nineteen ninety. Well, what's interesting though is as they develop quickly, like, I mean, that's what makes sense. But like, the the mm, the leaps and bounds kind of settle down a little bit, and it starts becoming more. Uh, I don't know, kind of manipulation of the minutiae, right? So like you're going from purely text-based browsing to then actual graphical interfaces, GUIs. Uh, one year later, the first Usenet spam. Here we go, baby. What if this guy made $30 million? <laughs> $13 million, sorry. On January 18th, an Andrews University a cis admin named Clarence L. Thomas IV posted a message to every available Usenet (laughs) news group. Well done, Clarence. (laughs) Global alert for all. Jesus is coming soon. That was his alert. Among other things, he said, quote, the famines, uh, the famines, the diseases, the rapid decline of the family unit and the destructive earthquake in India, which happened in 1993, are signs that this world's history is coming to a climax. The Some would argue that he was correct. The human race has trampled on God's constitution and Jesus is coming to set things right. Well... That is uh, definitely going. I mean, how many people were on that Usenet? Is it an Andrew at Andrews University? Wow. I mean, yeah, people be scamming. I mean, he wasn't looking for money. I guess just sinners. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of sinning, this website Disco Sloth Sloth is one of the seven, seven deadly, deadly sins, sins right? That's right. Uh, and I will say this, right? It's it says he was a sysadmin. Yes, I'm not debating that. But it says he posted a message to every available every available Usenet group. I don't think, I don't think that necessarily was limited to just the Usenet groups at Andrews oh, University. You mean I, every I, Usenet? I believe it's every available Usenet group that didn't have permissions on them or require you to like you know sign up or however however that worked. I don't know. Either way, at least several thousand people wow. uh, were hit by this message. I'm imagining since it's 1994 and the the first email spam hit 400 people in 1984. Was that yeah. 1980? 80, oh wait, well, oh, it was 1978. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. I'm imagining this is exponentially more people. Anyway, I, it's just wow. I, I'm surprised it took four Clarence Thomases to to get to this stage, but he really did it. He he had a breakthrough. Clarence there. L. Thomas. Let's be oh, clear. Excuse Not me. the justice in the Supreme Court. <laughs> it's like yes. hearing cases he's being <laughs> had the n n word dropped at him by joe biden which happened uh and then he's like by the way y'all jesus is coming 
Buckle up. Send. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I digress. Yeah. Same year, 1994, the first... Wait. Wait a second. Ah, okay, okay. So you had just said the first Usenet spam. Yes. And the same year, the first commercial Usenet spam also occurred. A small law firm in Phoenix, I believe they mean Arizona, hired a hacker to develop a script to cross-post messages to news groups. They post a message called Green Card Lottery, final one, question mark, to hundreds of groups. Thinking they'd hit gold, they start a digital consultancy to help others do the same. It failed. You don't say. (laughs) That's so weird. I, I mean, to think that in 1978, you could send out an email and garner $13 million in sales over what time period we don't know, but yet to do this to even more people when so often it seems like it's a numbers game. Uh, many, many things in life, dare I say, uh, right. Many, many things. Uh, yeah, it, it, it just strikes me. Yeah. Of course, nobody wants to receive that commercial use that spam, but I'm surprised it totally failed. Well, I think it's funny that these people were like, hey, hey, man, we got something here. We're going to start an entire business around fraudulent spam. Let's do this. That, you bring up a good point. Well, there's a guy, though. I, I forget who it was. I'd have to go back and look. Who sold the Brooklyn Bridge. You know, that's a, that's mm-hmm. a trope, right? Hey, I got a bridge in Brooklyn. It's like, he sold the Brooklyn Bridge like a hundred times. It wasn't just once. <laughs> and there are all these people showing up being like, hey, I'm here to claim my bridge. <laughs> I don't know what you're going to do with that, but... Yeah. I just want to say one thing, yeah. right? He They hired a hacker, but what they did was not hacking. Yes. He just wrote a script that was able to post in many places at once, uh, which was very efficient, if you ask me. Um, so I don't know. Well, it's, I think- it's not unlike a DDoS attack. I mean, a brute force attack. Brute, brute force is not hacking at all really i mean it's just writing a script that's constantly try to overload servers and log into something right that's fair yes yes or prevent other people from acting accessing them in the case of ddos yeah yeah anywho okay i'm excited about this one because it is one of the most (laughs) 90s thing ever (laughs) okay uh in 1994 (laughs) was the first banner ad um it was not by mondo (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the first banner ad in Wired Magazine gets the so Wired Magazine gets the award for selling the first ad space on the internet. Working with a selection of brands including AT&T, Volvo, Zima, that's right, which they brought back recently, I believe. Did they? Yeah. And IBM banner ads were launched on October 27th, 1994. Wired charged the same price for a full page, excuse me. Same price as for a full-page print magazine ad, a flat rate of $10,000 per month. Wow. Yeah. You know, that's, yeah. I mean, that kind of, like, that to me is where the marketing side really begins to kick in. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, people were using kind of spam, and I I guess commercial spam is kind of sending some of those things. Now I feel like the, the industries around these things are much more nuanced. Obviously, I mean, it was the wild, wild west back then, but it was... Interesting. I love that it's Zima because you know that was the thing is to take a Zima and put a Jolly Rancher in it. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I didn't. I didn't live that life. That's <laughs> because you're also younger than I am. <laughs> <laughs> I missed out on that. Yeah, indeed. You know, I 
I wonder, right? So by quick estimations, there were approximately 2.7 million internet users mm-hmm. in 1994. Mm-hmm. Of course, only a small subset of that would have been going to Wired's website. Uh, but it does make me wonder how many print periodical subscribers there were to wire wired at that same time. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That's needless to say, it seems like a lot of money in it, you know, for such a small, relatively small space. I mean, I guess we don't know exactly how large that banner was. Um, right. If it was the whole full width of the top and of course with lower resolutions of monitors and displaying devices back then it would have been a significantly large space to be legible yeah <laughs> so, it's like it's a 32 pixel screen <laughs> this is amazing dot like, eight <laughs> <laughs> same year same year the apple uh newton message pad the first mobile browser launched and its mobile browser was called pocket web now there's many reasons why the apple newton failed uh over the years, but it had some really ingenious technologies up its sleeve. That being said, this is the first device that, that you could browse on. Now, uh, I'm pretty sure that the wireless Wi-Fi standard, the first one, had not come out yet in 1994. Yeah. So, and which would also mean Bluetooth probably had also not come out. So, I'm imagining that to be able to browse anything on this device in 1994, you actually had to have it plugged in to like you know to a a telephone cable yeah (laughs) but still still right uh it's pretty amazing that you could jack in when telephone lines in hotels used to let you do so yeah Um, i mean you don't have to lug around your laptop be sitting on your couch and with your phone cord plugged in (laughs) until your mom picks up the phone to call your aunt you're like no stop (laughs) just kick me off (laughs) i can hear the booze okay yes uh all right in 1995 one year later it was the rise of e-commerce amazon.com oh my god is that really the logo i have never seen that in my life i have not either but it's fantastic amazon.com and ebay then known as auction web both launch an earlier bbs based store bookstacks unlimited relaunches as books.com yeah man and now amazon <laughs> rules everything <laughs> yeah ebay you know it's interesting because there are so many more outlets and i feel like if somebody's going to take the time to put something on ebay i don't always feel like you get the best price depending i mean maybe it's where people's lens are but it's so easy to post something to a platform like facebook marketplace these days that if you're going to put something up there it's the same way by the way that facebook gets away with you getting people to buy um sponsored posts which do approximately dick pardon me kids (laughs) (laughs) um so like boosted posts i should say um they don't do anything but because of the ease of use it's how they get people in the door anyway yeah i will say Little known fact, eBay, uh, it, it's, why wouldn't they use, I mean, they were using auction web before. Why wouldn't they use like auction.com, right? So I guess the creator, um, he had initially wanted to call it Echo Bay for the location of where he had started this whole thing, but 
that domain was already taken. Wow. Uh, so so eBay it is today. Nice. Um, fascinating. But I agree with you, right? eBay, there was a really great time in, in history where eBay um, had some great deals. I mean, I'm talking like 20 years ago, oh, yeah. right? Where, you know, there were none of these for better or for worse, none of the safeguards, none of the yep. things that would help you if you gave this person money and then they never shipped your product. Yeah. <laughs> right. But it was it was the Wild West, yes, wasn't it? Indeed. 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 That's that's something else. And we will spam there later off air. Same year, nineteen ninety-five. Um, CPM, cost per thousand impressions. Netscape in this year introduces CPM as a method to measure ad impressions. Uh, so yeah, interesting. Well, cost per so CPM. We talked about this in a different episode. Yeah, we we have talked about it. CPM comes from cost per mile because it is based around billboard advertising. How about that? Oh well, since we're here, I need to write the record. Oh, because I had said that and I was absolutely wrong. I'm going to own up right now. Oh. I'm looking at you, beautiful audience. I, in a <clears throat> moment of haste, I read one word too quickly. And there's actually two L's in mile. So it's actually mil. So it's French, right? Or Latin or something. So it actually just means a thousand. Really? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you got to be and kidding me. Hold on. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It was, I guess it's a. I don't know. M I L L E. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. Mm, oh, I've been going around people. Listen, <laughs> I sounded so smart. I just, now I have to figure it's like that episode of the office where Michael thinks he has herpes and calls everyone that he might've told about his herpes. Do you know the one I'm talking about? <laughs> where it's just an ingrown hair. I've only been watching recently. Ah, so well, I don't know that one yet. Now I have to go around and call all the people I may have told that statistic to. <laughs> Do you know that stands for mile? <laughs> You just have to pardon the French, right? It's, that's that's all it is. Literally. <laughs> but it makes me wonder, Netscape had to have been a French company uh, if, they used a, if they were the ones that made it. I wonder. I, I already closed that tab. Let's see. Cost per mile. It doesn't uh, cost per thousand. I wonder. No, Netscape was founded in Mountain View. Yeah, that's not surprising. I, why? Maybe they had already used the T of thousand for like something else. Maybe chat GPT. Yeah, maybe. I wonder. It looks like it is. Oh, see, it's a cost an advertiser pays for 1000 views or impressions of any advertisement. So it was actually established prior to the internet. I mean, it's that is oh, not, was it? a, yeah, it's not a digital metric. So Netscape was, it's purely taking, <laughs> they took a, an existing invention. That's correct. Also called CPT. I mean, oh. but in Latin, French, and Italian, mille mm. means 1,000. Yeah. Cost per thousand metric is calculated by dividing the cost of an advertising placement by the number of impressions expressed in thousands. Interesting. All right. Cool. Huh. Anyway, you learn something new every day. <laughs> you do. Including cost that per it's mile. Not mile. I like cost per mile, though. <laughs> I do too. <clears throat> I felt so smart. Now I do not. Uh, 1996, free email accounts. Okay. Free email. Was that 1996, you email? though? You get email? I feel do you like, think it was before? 
I mean, it says launch hotmail.com launches July 4th, 1996, <laughs> giving accessibility of a free email address to millions of home internet users and unintentionally free addresses for millions of happy spammers. <laughs> I still, because there are still people that have my Hotmail account for whatever reason. I haven't logged into Hotmail in a decade, probably, but... Um, it's still there forwarding email over to my Gmail account. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dang straight. Yeah, man. I, I have a Hotmail account. Yeah. And uh, with Steam, the the game mm-hmm. enterprise, right? Like you're not allowed to change your email. Yeah. So it will forever be my Hotmail account. That was <laughs> so my G- that was sure. my Amazon account for the longest time. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. It's weird. Back when you were buying books, you illiterate. <laughs> yes. Exactly <laughs> then. <laughs> No, I would never attack Brandon on air. That's not a thing. And uh, we're but not in private, in <laughs> beats the hell out of me. <clears throat> One year later, after free Hotmail email started popping up, there was another thing that popped up, and it was the pop-up ad. Oh, and sure. shortly after JavaScript was introduced, Tripod.com, not to be confused with Quadruped.com, <laughs> introduces pop-up ads after a car maker complains about their traditional ads being embedded in the page beside inappropriate content. So this car maker, they had their ad. It was just right there as a banner, just kind of two-dimensionally next to it. They didn't like it. They wanted to have some separation from this lowbrow, inappropriate content, and somebody wrote it in JavaScript. They figured it out. So, I mean, it sounds like people then were already beginning to serve ads dynamically to different sites, including an inappropriate website at this point, depending on your perception of inappropriate and your perception of tripod. Yeah. Yes. Um, awesome. Wow. Interesting. Uh, 1998 search engines showed up 1998 Google and Yahoo both launched search engines to discover the rapidly growing information on the internet Microsoft launches MSN. But Jordan, without looking, what was the original name of Google? Uh oh man, it was something like much more difficult to say. Um I actually have no idea. Backrub. But really? You sure? Is this like that thing where where Facebook was initially used for like dating, but I haven't been able or uh I haven't been able to like prove that anywhere. Or was that Google? I don't know. Anyway. I don't know. YouTube was originally used for dating. YouTube. Yeah. But it, like I haven't. Anyway. No. Back rub. Back is rub. This real? Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. Let's look. Google. No, I believe you, but. <laughs> back rub. <laughs> Google has its origins in back rub, a research project that was begun in 1996 by Larry Page and Sergey Brin. Uh, when they were both PhD students at Stanford. The project initially involved an unofficial third founder, Scott Hassan, the lead programmer. That's all they say about Backrub, Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, how about that? Developed a search engine first known as Backrub. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Yeah. It's so interesting. I love it. I love it. I love those little things. You know, that and that CPM stands for cost per mile. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody would ever guess. Nobody. Yeah. I mean, search. <laughs> you know, we're, yes. Well, search, at the end of the day, that's kind of where, they, I, I guess prior to that, you had these kind of uh, decentralized systems where there, I mean, yes, there was the World Wide Web, but there, it was all so decentralized that what could a search engine 
browse really you know your primary function in the internet before that not not right up until that but earlier than that was going through again like we talked about going through an isp uh going through amazon um aol or something like that and then you're going to go on and find specific things that you want to talk about but it's very interesting that um then people kind of get into actually having something that could peruse or at least index i guess index the entirety and i hesitate to say that but entirety Mm -hmm. of the internet to that point it's not unlike what we're looking um at with chat gpt or something right so chat gpt or open ai or whatever that is is taking the the kind of uh collective knowledge of the internet to this a, a certain point which is not this point but almost this point um yeah I mean, it's interesting because then you're kind of beginning to pull from collective knowledge. Um, But with both of those things, and I actually have some pretty strong opinions about this that we don't need to get into right now, but with both of, with all of those things, including ChatGPT, it's biased because the people that build it are biased, Um, including Google. Google has been proven to show its bias. Uh, many, many times that has less to do with the marketing side, which we're talking about today, but quite frankly, it affects the marketing side. And that's, it's one of those things that's concerning. And this might actually address that, but I'll give you this example as, uh, as kind of a, and by the way, uh, we're going to have, we're going to be splitting to your listeners, splitting this into two things because we're almost about halfway through this list, but around, I want to say it was around 2006, seven and uh, President George W. Bush was in office. And if you Googled, specifically Google, the term failure, uh, the first thing that would pop up was the Wikipedia result, which Wikipedia, we all know how <laughs> not biased that trash heap is. But um, the Wikipedia entry for George W. Bush would pop up. Now, regardless of what you think of President Bush at this time, regardless of what you think about thought about President Bush at that time, what you should be concerned about in that moment is that Google is manipulating their ostensibly uh, neutral, their kind of Switzerland aspect. Um, that is concerning. Again, take your own politics or beliefs one way or the other out of it to be able to manipulate a search engine that you are relying on to give you accurate and unbiased information that's not okay. And so a lot of that plays into marketing um, that we that we'll talk about later because you know there are things like the the myth, whether it's true or not, we could again debate this where if you um, are paying for Google ads, <clears throat> uh, then your SEO is likely to hit faster, which is maybe a myth. I don't know. Anyway, the point is these things are supposed to be unbiased. ChatGPT has already proved itself to be extraordinarily biased in the very short amount of time that it's been around. Um, and those things aren't good. So anyway, I digress. Thoughts, Jordan? <laughs> well, I have many, many thoughts and uh, I could go on a, a diatribe right here. Yes. <laughs> uh, but I, I will say briefly uh, to your many points that are all spot on. It's it's a dangerous world, yep. right? Uh, if the future, right? Who controls the algorithms? Controls so many things. They control uh, potentially the success or failure of businesses, of mm-hmm. industries writ large. 
Uh, and just because, you know, ostensibly they say that it's neutral, they say that no, uh, we have not explicitly programmed this to exclude any one or several things. Uh, but in reality, we already know they do. We, yep. We've known we've known any entity that claims to be a source of aggregation does, whether it's a search engine, whether it's a chat bot type AI, uh, whether it's an e-commerce site, right? Like anything that, that claims to show you the thing that you're looking for, but really it's for whatever, you know, multiple reasons is not allowed to. This poses a, a grave threat. And the unfortunate truth of it is that most people will never know. Yep. Uh, I suspect uh, they'll never know that because how how could one know that their search results or the results of whatever query on whatever platform they inserted it into? How would they ever know that that result was censored because it was already censored? Right. They, so it's it's <laughs> especially it's one of those things that can never have a revolution unless, you know, you know, what I mean. well, especially with a learning tool. I mean, like if you look at. So ChatGPT, if uh, and honestly, and I'm not saying this to pick because I believe the same thing, but you, we discussed cost. It's not cost per mile. It's cost per thousand in Miele and French and Italian and Latin, right? But if we are saying that here, somebody else of our millions of listeners is telling that to somebody else and they're going to tell that to somebody else. And then if ChatGPT, for instance, in this fantastic because we know ChatGPT is clearly paying it hinging on every word that we say but if ChatGPT then somehow indexes what we are saying then ChatGPT takes that false thing and puts it into its thing so then it's going to be delivering that answer for somebody that might be asking it about what does CPM mean and so you're right it's kind of like I mean that's that's where that's where things like uh, if you read 1984 you know, look at Mao's cultural revolution. It's kind of like if you if you say the lie long enough, uh, all of a sudden the lie becomes the truth, and any any contradiction to the lie becomes false, even if it's the truth. Um, but it it is one of those things that it's you know we always we we thought I guess that the internet was one of those things, and I think that we still it's it's still possible to be the truth, but it's to democratize kind of the world, right? Um, but if the the definition of that democratization is still held in the in the hands of people who are not responsible enough to create unbiased uh, algorithms, then is it worth it? I don't know. I mean, we're marketers, so yes, it's worth it. Please spend your money with us. But <laughs> but it just it's a whole set of questions, and on to the next, and on to the next. You know, a a absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Man, we're so smart, Jordan. You and I. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I feel like running a few miles just so I can tell more people about the concept. Me too. Except for I had a stomach bug yesterday, so that would not <laughs> go well. <laughs> yes, I don't know, but you see, no matter what, we're the Mondo solution, right? So there is probably a way you could turn that into marketing. Um, That's right. I wonder if I could find a spam medication on a spam Usenet board somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, for the after effects of eating spam. Is that is that <laughs> what happened to you? That's also not great for running. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Well, divide and conquer, split things asunder, yes. two halves make a whole, and let's not blunder. We wow. shall resume the, the second part on our next podcast. Uh, as always, 
Thank you for listening. Please be sure to share, like, and subscribe. Uh, and comments. We love comments. Please, you know, uh, anything that you guys say, we will probably immediately throw in the chat. I mean, we will absolutely <laughs> listen to promptly, not ASAP. Uh, and yeah, thank you. And you can send Brand emails, by the email. way, to <sighs> podcast at trimondo.com. Or again, just, you know, leave a comment wherever you would leave. Like a review. You know, if you're on Apple Podcasts, they still do that, right? I mean, let us oh, absolutely. know. We want to hear yeah. about it. You know, share it with your friends, all that. Your grandma, she's like, I don't have anything to do with marketing. Show it to her anyway. She'll love it. We're both <laughs> very <will>. charming. <laughs> I will say this just briefly. Uh, when I was showing my mother, my dear mother, about our podcast not too long ago, I said, Mom, this is where you're going to review it. You know, give us give us a, a fair rating. And I was like, yeah, mom, you just hit the stars right there. Like whatever, whatever you feel like. She's like, I'm not hitting these stars. I haven't listened to it yet. And I'm, I'm like, exactly. <laughs> this is exactly the type of patron that we love. Uh, we don't want people just nodding along, hitting five stars every time. That's that's not Too how we honest, get to where mom. we're going. Too, <laughs> Too honest. <laughs> I you created me. <laughs> yeah. Now hit this button. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Well, thank you, Jordan. Yes. And thank you, Brandon. Yes, sir. And thank you, our amazing listeners, for all of your patronage. Indeed. Until next time. Until next time. Huzzah!